can't take a shit in my because I've got an eight-year-old running about the house and she wants to talk to me all the time. Yeah. You, you do find that because, don't you? I've, I've usually got the dog lying next to me, which is always good in case you run out of toilet roll. <laughs> Welcome to Gains and Pains with Scott McLaughlin and Colin McGibbon in association with Just Train and a ton of coffee where we get together each week to talk health, fitness and some absolute nonsense. Episode, episode, five. episode five. First of all, apologies for the shitty sound quality in the last one. Scott can't work a microphone. Well, when you say can't work a microphone, I'm just sitting with a microphone. I'm not really doing about forty feet away from a microphone, whispering at it. That's because you smell. You, now. you smell like an old man. Because you're forty. I'm an old man. Yeah. <laughs> just to clarify, it's the same day. Same as day. The last one. <laughs> so it's still our birthday. Send us more stuff. More cake. More biscuits. More chocolate. And coffee. Yep. Yes. Mick's still here. Say hello, Mick. And according to Mick, Mick says, Mick's advice is... <laughs> it's never too early. It's never too early. I'm a copper. I should know. <laughs> <laughs> trust a lot. Trust yep. a lot. Speaking of trusting people, today's episode Don't. is... Always trust your coach, even when they're an asshole. Yeah, baby. As mine is. Which is the dickhead sitting across from me, which is good, so I can vouch for his well, assholiness. I might be an asshole, but you pay me for results. Fact. And you're an asshole, but you're a good asshole. Do you know what you're talking about? Right. You seem to like my asshole quite a lot. Can we just clarify that? Make me put you in weird stretchy Personality-wise. <laughs> uh, right. Aye. Yeah. So, coaching. Good coaching. Good coaching. How important is it to have a good coach, or indeed <laughs> any coach? Can you do it all yourself? What's the benefits of having a coach? Oh, think about it if we use another one of my classic analogies. Do it. If you compare a coach to a pineapple plant, I just assume well, yeah. it's going to go somewhere. Well, we could go with a suppository. Imagine it was shaped like a pineapple. That's going to, that's going to hurt. No, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take a flyer here. Like, hey. This is great. Imagine the difference between having a bad doctor, a decent doctor, and a good doctor. Yes. Same for a coach. Mm-hmm. A bad coach can fuck you up for the rest of your days. If you've got somebody that doesn't have a scooby how to deadlift and they load the bar up just to fuel their own ego that, hey, look at my client, they've deadlifted this weight today in their first term, yep. first time trying it, and you fuck your back to the point that you now, say for example, you're a builder or a joiner mm-hmm. and you cannot do your job. Yep. You cannot look after your kids. You can't even have sex with the wife anymore. Your marriage is fucked, your kids think you're a shit dad, and you can't pay the bills. It's quite extreme. Yeah, that's... Sorry, I need to apologise, I mean I don't that. That is the, the severity of what mm. can happen. Yeah. You can get... If you've got a PT that, or a trainer that doesn't understand it, you've got a heart condition and you shouldn't be doing any overhead exercise because of the pressure on your heart, and you take a heart attack and die, there's another... <laughs> yeah, slight bit of an issue. Yeah, it's a problem. Now, you've got... PTs that are coming in in a massive influx in industry, and you've got, what they'll do is they'll start off by being, you might still get some old coaches that are like this as well, so you get the bad coach that will train you in a couple of things, one, what they like to teach, 
you might come in and say you want to get stronger legs, but because they like doing bench press, you'll be doing bench press because it's what they like. They'll also try and teach you stuff that they've got no clue about how to do for the simple fact it looks cool or they've seen a video that day and they think, well, I'm running out of ideas, so I'm going to do that. That's yep. a bad coach. And they don't actually, they don't have a clue what they're doing. You then get a, a decent coach, you've got an okay coach, which they'll train you on what you want to do. Which is fine, you've come and go, but for me, personally speaking, what stands out for a great coach is they'll give you what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Now, a number of people that say to me, oh, I don't like doing core work or I don't like doing leg work. Yeah, yeah, but you need to be doing this. I know. Yeah. Most folk go, oh, I'll always get this back pain or i get this injury here. And I thought, you need to do this type of exercise or these type of drills <coughs> in order to strengthen that area and fix it. Yep. It might not be fancy. It might not look good for your Instagram followers, but it's going to benefit you in the long run. Yeah. Now, when I'm programming anything, I'll always look at the kind of... The now six months and six years term, as a kind of as a gauge, mm-hmm. is it going to benefit you now? Is it going to benefit you in six months? And will it benefit you in six years? If the answer is no to any of them, shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, why do it? I'm not going to give you something that will put you at risk either now, or in six months' time, or in six years' time, just for the sake of saying, "Oh, look at me, I'm a badass coach. I got you to squat 200 kilos." When in actual fact, you. Had a, it, created, it caused you to uh, have a bulging disc in your lumbar spine, yeah. which now six months later causes you pain and problems. That you, you're a professional musician. Mm-hmm. I use that professional term loosely. Oh. And all of a sudden now you can't sit and play full gigs because your back's killing you. Yep. So it's scarily familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got you've got to think of the long term. Um, coaches should coach what they know and only what they know, and always be learning. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the kind of key, isn't it? Yeah. It's the same, and I can I can relate to this one more because oh, the, totally. the teaching's teaching. Yeah. Um, as a as an educator teaching kids how to play drums and percussion and stuff like that, um, you, I'm always learning. You can never you can never know too much. You, nah. know what I mean? you, you always have to be striving to be better in whatever you're doing, and whether that's coaching um, athletes or teaching kids or teaching anyone that's any everything, instrument. Yeah. You, you need to constantly strive to get better, otherwise. What's the point? Mm-hmm. If you're not trying to improve yourself, then you're just you're just spinning your wheels. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, you see top athletes, top musicians, like the absolute top of their game, still striving to get better. You, you're never going to reach that point in any career where you should go, oh, yes, made it. This is it. This is the life now, isn't it? Because otherwise, you're just you're just kidding yourself on. Because there's always somebody who's not going to be doing that, who is going to be striving to get better, mm-hmm. who's then just going to take your your clients or your, in my oh, yeah. case, my gigs or whatever <coughs> yeah. else, you know what I mean? There's always something better than you. You need to try and push yourself to be them. I mean, I think, it was, it, was it LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or something? Somebody, one of the famous basketball players in the NBA, and the guy went to, this guy, one of the teams that he was up against, came along, went in the court early, went in the hotel, there was a kind of big complex for staying at, and there's, I think it was, I think it was Kobe, Kobe Bryant, all of a sudden, 5 a.m., Guy couldn't sleep because he'd been flying across America and he went into this whole basketball court because he thought, oh, I'm just going to go and do a wee workout because yep. I can't sleep. And there's Kobe in there, practicing away, five in the morning, on the day of like, the NBA finals, and he's going, what are you doing, man? Practicing. Yeah. And even at the height of his career and one of the all-time greats, he's still in there mm-hmm. at 5 a.m. Practicing. Yeah. Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo in football, 
and practicing. Yeah. They're there first. And it was, I think it was, if you look at the, when you read the Alex Ferguson biography, right. he talked about Eric Cantona was the one that tra- transformed their mentality mm-hmm. because he showed that he was, he was the one who was like, well, why are we finishing our training in the morning? Probably the afternoon. No, no, we only trained for a few hours in the morning. He's like, no, no. In Europe, we trained in the afternoon as well. We worked with the juniors and we brought them on the kind of youth squads. Um, even on the match day, we finished breakfast and where was Canton? Outside in the kind of parking lot with the bus practicing with football. Yeah. Just working on the skills and working on the technique. And you can't, you can't buy that. Yeah. It's, it's it makes a huge difference. Crap, it's, doesn't it? I mean, one thing, I'll, I've had loads of PTs approach me about trying to work in the gym. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, what was the last time you... What was the last? When did you qualify? And I say, oh, okay, five years ago, right? What have you What have you went and studied in that time? And most of them kind of give you this blank expression, yeah. like when they've been asked when When did you and the missus go on the first date? And they're like, oh, they've been caught out. <laughs> <laughs> and they've not got. They've got no recollection of it, and they're kind of caught rabbit in the headlights, and they're going, uh, I've not really read anything. Yeah. And it's the one thing I'll do. Even if it's just an, a paragraph or an article or a bit of a journal, pretty much at least. On a daily basis, I've tried to read something every yeah. year, every day yeah. for the last 18 years. Even mm-hmm. if I'm on holiday, I'll still be reading something. Yeah. Um, it's trying to keep on top of your, your yeah. own profession, isn't it? Because things change so much in any profession. Mm-hmm. It's trying to keep on top of those changes and adapt. Yeah. Especially that, like, certainly in your situation where, as you said, there is a massive influx of PTs and stuff. We, talk, mm-hmm. we talked about this in another episode, when that SFN expo thing yeah. like the majority of the stands were just like you too can become a personal yeah. trainer like start your own PT business and stuff it just seems to be the kind of thing to do just now and we've talked mm. about this in the gym before where a lot of people who like training who maybe got a, 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 a air quotations normal job who yeah. like going to the gym and training and stuff and go oh, do you know what I prefer this this would be a good way to make a living and mm. then go and want to be a PT and stuff you know there seems yeah. to be so much of that just now so for you to sort of stick out from that massive crowd you need to be on top of everything you, and know what you're talking about yeah you've got to be on you've got to be on your game you've got to be on the ball you've got to be knowledgeable mm-hmm. you've got to be you've got to be honest as well with your capabilities in terms of what you can and can't teach i have clients come to me a couple wanting to prepare for a bodybuilding competition and Aye. that is not my area of expertise whatsoever clearly and thanks and I've, I've i've put them on to other people that i would recommend yeah and they can they kind of look at me to think but why are you not taking my money? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the simple fact is that I value my reputation. Absolutely. It's For me, I'm all thinking, as a coach, I'm thinking a long term. Mm-hmm. Like when we've, anytime I've written your training plan, assessed, took you in, looked at where you currently were, yep. look at the weaknesses, all the weaknesses and uh, the kind of strong points and go, right, what do we need to work on? What is it that's holding you back? Yep. Like remember when we first um, broke your plateau in bench press? Yep took you away from bench press and they made you do all the stability work because it was a stabilizer yeah, yeah, yeah. and you came back and you're like, no, I'm not going to get my PB today because I'm not even benching for a few weeks. Aye. Um, and you came back and smashed it easy. I was a squat last week. And squat as well. Yeah. And it's working on what needs to be worked on yep. rather than just doing what you think you need to yeah. be doing. And it's... It's having that, that bigger picture view all the time, yeah. isn't it? As, a, as an educator or a coach, you have to, as you, as you say, you have to see the long-term goals mm. and stuff. Like, I know teaching kids just want to, like, smash stuff out all the time. And yeah. You need to, well, that's great. You want to do this right away. But in order to do that, I need to be thinking, like, again, six months, a year yeah. down the line, what do you need to do by that point and how do we get to there? And I think PTs nowadays, I mean, I've, I've, still, I've still got clients that are coming to me a couple of times a week for, since 2010. Mm-hmm. Right, nine years, yep. they've still been coming to me. Must be doing something right. Yep. I'm pretty sure it's not my jokes. It's a sparkling personality. Yes. And what it is is the fact that I don't plan. A, for me, them between a personal trainer and a coach, 
as a personal trainer, looks at breaking you in that session, making you feel like you want to puke. Want to just? I mean, it's easy. <clears throat> you could, you could write a training session for somebody, and all you do is make them do burpees for an hour. Aye. Because they'll be broken, yep. they'll be sore for days on end, sweat will be pouring out, and they'll feel like they want to puke. Yeah, but they'll be walking out of the gym going, oh, really? Oh, yeah, such a good workout. Later on the night, yeah, it'll be great. But smashed it today. That's just broken, that's momentarily. It's just a moment in time, rather than actually looking, where the coach is thinking about, right, this workout is just 0.1% of the bigger picture. Yeah. The bigger piece of pie. <laughs> I know I know. we've just recorded a podcast about losing pie. weight and making good food choices, but <laughs> we're talking pie. The... But it's when I'm coaching for folk, look, these guys, I've got, I've got guys coming up that are going to compete in the World Championships mm-hmm. in kettlebell lifting in nine weeks' time. Yep. And already I'm, I'm kind of reverse programming from the day they compete to right back to tonight when they start the first training session for yeah. that cycle. And it's looking at all those small factors that go in, right, have they got any, have they got any events coming up like weddings where they're going to be away for a weekend? Have they got any... Uh, job requirements where they're going to be away on a business trip. Yeah. yeah, they might not have anything in planned right now. We might get hit with it, but we have to deal with that as it happens. Mm-hmm. Do they have any kids' birthday parties or kids' weekends, any holidays? Um, and it's trying to factor all that in so that you can adjust the plan to meet the needs of what they're wanting to achieve. Yeah. So Rather than just going, hey, you want, to, you want to do this competition? Right, I'm going to break you today. Aye. Yeah, then they're, then they're struggling for the next week after yeah. that, and it has an adverse effect on training then. Mm-hmm. So, do you see a big differentiation between PT and coach? Is coach much <laughs> more specific? And like in your job, in your week, do you are you coach all the time, or do you kind of PT some people but coach others? Like, do you find like when you're in the gym with clients and stuff, are you PTing them, and then like with the kettlebell guys, you're coaching them, or do you see it all just the same? Thing? For me, a few years ago, yeah. Some folk just get a PT. Oh, can I book in? They would randomly phone up for a PT session. I just want to work out. And I had a yeah. couple of guys, they just wanted ideas. Mm-hmm. Or a wee kick up the backside just to kind of, or maybe check their technique. That's fine, right? I PT you on that, right? Let me check your deadlift. There yeah. you go. Done. But pretty much 99% of my, my work is regular clients. Yeah. So what I plan for them, what I'll plan for you today, yep. will, ha- will play <coughs> a part of what you do on. Thursday, yeah. what you do on Friday, not what you do on Saturday because you'll be going to Florida. Yeah, man. Uh, but it's always thinking of everything. Every client I train, I'll look at it the bigger picture Aye. because, and I'll I'll explain that to them that right if we do this now that'll build up to this. Like it's just following the kind of the steps in the road so yeah. that they can see where their journey's going. Essentially, right, okay. and it's rather than just going right, Colin, um, deadlift until your back breaks. There you go. Yeah. And just, oh, look at that, you can hardly stand up straight and you can't walk or sit down the toilet without getting help. You've had a great session, eh? And it's it's not about that. So it's about the sort of longevity yeah. and regularity of clients and, yeah. and seeing those same things. That's that kind of cumulative effect again, like we're talking about the diet as well. It's yep. the exact same. It's not about just starving yourself for one day or beasting yourself for one day. It's mm-hmm. that kind of cumulative effect over yeah. a year, five years. 10 years, your lifetime. It's a long game, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It should be a lifetime thing, shouldn't it? I mean, I was listening to the, the James Smith podcast yesterday and he was talking about, he said for him, movement is everything and being able to be healthy at the point where he can't take a shit on his own, hand him a gun because he'll kill himself because right. that's the kind of, he wants to maintain a quality of life. I can't take a shit on my own because I've got an eight-year-old running about the house and she wants to talk to me all the time. Yeah. You, you do find that because, don't you? I've, I've usually got a dog lying next to me, which is always good in case you run out of toilet roll. <laughs> 
And then you get, know how you get the bit where you can use like a 10 pence or a 50 pence piece to turn the lock on the door? Yeah. Now I can sit there. Now, I love my kids to bits, but they're absolute assholes at times where you will see. Where'd they get that from? Oh, yeah, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny asshole part from me. Uh, thanks, yeah, thanks for that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward turtle. <laughs> nah. um, usually it's Logan. Logan will switch the light off. Mm-hmm. Ah, you, t- you come to expect but that, it, though. It, but it's Brody and Abby. Brody, Brody will usually tend to, you just see the, the, the bit in the door turning <laughs> and the head popping in going. film style. Aye. What are you doing, Daddy? <laughs> I'm having a shit. Can I watch? Mm-hmm. No, beat it. <laughs> and then Abby, she's a complete and utter widow, and I have to take full credit for that mm-hmm. one. Um, she is her daddy's daughter, and she's the type that will come into the toilet and grab the toilet roll and do a runner, <laughs> and then leave the door open and just put it on the floor just out of reach and no more. That's quite a good. Thing yeah, that. she's sick. <laughs> Aye. Um, where are we going with that? Um, oh, I've been able to take a shit on your own. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was quite <laughs> yeah. the, the diversion, wasn't it? Sorry. Yeah. When you when you physically need somebody to wipe your own arse, so that's probably a better term of putting yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's the kind of movement. That's what you, you don't want anything that's going to cripple you. Yeah. And you look at the number of high-level athletes. That look at Ronnie Coleman. Mm-hmm. His quest for like being the ultimate Mr. Olympia, Mr. Universe. Yep. He's destroyed himself now yeah. and basically don't think he'll, he'll ever walk properly again. He's crippled. Ah, it's, at that sort of level, where do you draw the line? Yeah. Where, do you, where do you stop? Because obviously, like I'm Johnny, Joe Public, Jim Goer guy, I've got things that I want to do and I want to get better all the time, but I'm not, I don't want to get to the point where I'm going to hurt myself yeah, doing it. It's got to be. Whereas that at that sort of level, that elite level, you, you're going to push the, the absolute boundary oh, all yeah. the time. I mean, you look at people bundle health and fitness in the same in the same category it's Aye, not no. I know plenty of folk that are healthy they can get out their bed in the morning they can touch their toes <laughs> they don't need any medication they can put their socks on no problem at all they're healthy yeah but they can't run the length of themselves yeah they can't pick up a heavy weight but <clears throat> likewise I know loads of folk that are mega mega fit but are pretty much broken yeah and they, they can barely put their socks on in the morning they're in loads of painkillers etc but they're not Healthy Aye. and health and fitness is two completely different things. Yeah, should um, it be? Uh, no, but it should be. Should all just be the one thing, yeah. really? If we approach it from that kind of black and a holistic point of view. Yeah. Well, even you're talking about the kind of like the health of your mind, health of your body, yeah, and like your kind of nutrition and your exercise and movement. So I'm going to throw a controversial one here, right? CrossFit. That's their kind of ethos, isn't it? Just like be good at everything, uh, be yeah. athletic, be strong. No. Instead of just like going, like you see the p- powerlifting, where it's like I'm just my only goal is to shift as much weight as I can. Yeah. And then there's a lot of a lot of big big folk in there. Do you know what I mean? Not necessarily healthiest. Uh huh. But you can't you can't look at someone who does a lot. Of, well, certainly again, at elite levels, CrossFit folk uh-huh. and go. They look unhealthy because they don't. They're jacked. They're and they and they look, miles and miles and shift a load of weight. Yeah. They are super fit and across a load of different disciplines, which is awesome, mm-hmm. which is great, right? It's the idea of CrossFit, they're 
yeah, across fitness in different areas, or different types of fitness modalities. Brilliant. What my gripe with CrossFit is, and you can say CrossFit, you can say MetaFit, you can say FBX, you can say pretty much every class out there is, you will get the coach, you will get good coaches you with just anything. CrossFit a class? Well, you do get classes in CrossFit. Really? Yeah, oh. or WODs. Is that a class? Yeah, it's a class where they'll show up, yeah. Right. I don't know, it's, it's and still terrifying to me. You'll get coaches that will say, work on your technique <coughs> and go, ah, right, you can't do a back squat or a deadlift without rounding them back. Right, we're going to regress that. And you do not progress onto the straight bar or mm. doing it properly or doing it with a straight back until you've progressed from that regression. Yep. Then, like everything, you've got your bad coaches, which mm. will just say, here's the exercises, guys. Go and do that as hard and as fast as you can, as quick as possible. Yeah. And off you go. And that's where CrossFit has got a bad name. Now, CrossFit essentially is, is great, but yeah. it's creating a, it's got a lot of bad rap with it as well. In terms of the injury thing? It's massive injury rate, yeah. Loads of reps all the time. I mean, but it's got Olympic lifting yeah. in it, which it's got a high injury rate as well from mm -hmm. the manoeuvres. Yep. Uh, it's got a lot of gymnastics-based work mm -hmm. and ring-based work. There's also people as well, they take it to an extreme. So a lot of people will go, they get that addiction where I'm going to hammer this. Yeah. Uh, and I could even talk about MetaFit as well. Right. Uh, one example in MetaFit is that one of my friends went and done the MetaFit instructor's course and even the two coaches that were teaching it turned around and said, yeah, we only recommend really doing MetaFit twice a week. Plus, twice a week, you should be doing strength and conditioning work to stabilise your joints. Right. However, the target market for MetaFit is mainly mothers. Right. Who, it's a half hour workout or 20 minute workout, so it's that time frame. Easy fit in your day. Husband comes home from work here, watch the kids for 20 minutes, feed, give them their dinner, but I'm going to nip out and do my 20 minute MetaFit workout. Yeah. They come in, they're basically coming from a zero training background, mm. and they're going into these high intensity exercise classes, fast tempo, explosive. <coughs> and all of a sudden they're picking up a high injury rate. Aye. Most of them are doing push-ups with their arms up in a kind of T-shaped position <sighs> where their elbows flare dry out rather than the, kinda the right, uh, yeah. right position. And the amount of shoulder injuries and knee injuries because they're going too hard, too fast, yeah. too soon. Again, that comes back to the folk who are running these things yeah. should be taking more responsibility for yeah. that. But do, does that tend to be in like big sort of global gym sort of outlets yeah. where it's going to be somebody who's just qualified... Yes. done like one thing and then just are dealing with like a classroom a, a gym full of 40 folk all yeah. just smashing it with their head mic on and all that they'll bring it in I mean uh, one of the ones I've seen at a, it was a body pump class at Bella Houston Sports Centre and I think they had about 200 folk at it holy shit and they had one instructor up on the stage and I think they had one instructor floating about the crowd right I'm you, sorry but you can't you can't you can't have a 1 to a 100 ratio no or even one person up on the stage leading it and then one person amongst the 200 no. actually coordinating, checking technique, it's too big, it's no. too much. But if you look at nurseries, I think it's a one to one to five ratio they've got for children. Right. Even then, so it's still difficult to watch all five kids at once. Absolutely, yeah. Even when you've got, it's a one to one ratio with kids, yeah. it's hard to keep an eye on. Aye, definitely. And it's, that's where, when, when I taught my martial art classes, I capped my numbers because I wouldn't sacrifice quality over what I was teaching. Yeah. Because I thought I don't want I don't I don't want that coming back in my reputation. Yeah. Okay, I think you're probably very much in a minority there because a lot of people will just see dollar signs, won't they? They're just yeah. like, how many folk can I legally fit in here that are willing to pay me money? Yeah, and they go for it, and they know that <coughs> with the fad name or the kind of brand names, three people get injured. That's fine. They leave. We'll fill it with three other people. Yeah, the next and week. More, they don't care. I mean, there's a lot of what I call ten week PTs, and what I mean by that is that you'll get a PT in or PT who'll bring a client in. They'll do ten one hour sessions a week. Yeah. 
or sorry, 10 one-hour sessions over a 10-week period. Right. So the paper will buy a block of 10 PT sessions, one hour a week, and then they never see them again. Mm-hmm. But they're really good at advertising, they're really good at selling themselves, so then they get a new client in. Yeah. Show me a PT that's got a regular client base over a period of a number of years. Mm-hmm. Now, I spoke to, I, I decided to do some kind of like, not prank calling, but just some cold calling out a few gyms the other year there, <laughs> just to find out, just to <laughs> get, almost like a wee bit of market research, just see that yeah. what the competition in local area was like. And the majority of gyms had only part-time PTs, and the most experienced PT had been working part-time for two years. Right. I've been a full-time PT now for nine years. Right. Over 10,000 hours mm-hmm. of coaching kettlebells alone. Yep. Um, and, that, and I'm still studying, I'm still trying to work it mm-hmm. out. And these guys are getting the responsibility of working part-time. Aye. And it's I'm not, it's no detriment to them. They're doing it as a part-time job. Maybe yep. they're building up their client base, but mm-hmm. my issue is they're not studying, they're not learning, and they're, they're not honing their craft. What is the... What, what does it take to be a PT? What do you need to do to qualify to be a PT? You need to do your... Basic. Most of them will do a level two gym instructor course, and then they'll do, which you can do over a course of a few weekends. Right. And then you've got your level three PT, which when you do your level three, that's your PT instructor. Right. And I think the likes of David Lloyd and the different the Pegasus and stuff, are, you can do a two-week course. <coughs> I think it's Monday to Friday, Monday right. to Friday, and that's it. <laughs> now... That doesn't seem like a lot. No. It's not. It's really not. Now, would you go to a doctor that had only been training for essentially 10 days? Yeah, no, uh, not at all. Now, if we even use an analogy of a doctor as well, why do we trust a coach? Or why do we, so many people, right, will turn to me, oh yeah, I, I know you told me to do this, but I've done this, this, this as well. Yeah. Yeah, you've just wrecked yourself. Mm-hmm. Would you get medication from a doctor and then just go, well, I know you said I've only to take four tablets a day, but I'm just <laughs> going to take seven. No. <coughs> you, you follow the prescription same like exercise is a prescription for your own health yeah. exercise and fitness is one of these things where there's so much, there's such a proliferation of information out there whether it's on Instagram or YouTube or magazines yeah. or whatever people do think they know better a lot of the time oh, it's like, yeah. oh, I, know, I, know, I know a PT and coach told me to do this but mm. I mean I read this and this article here and that sounds I mean, great the scary thing is we've got there's people in this gym that know more about training than some mm. PTs <laughs> Right, and it's that's the way the industry is. Yeah, there's people out there. I mean, you joked with me about <laughs> teaching me the drum, the one and two and three and four. <laughs> and you're like, right, you could probably go and pass your higher now, and, and you joked about it, right? Yeah. But and it's a lot of these things they're, they're getting trained to pass a course for insurance purposes. Yeah, not for the people's benefit. Yeah, I mean, the, the kind of terrifying thing is when you look at what people are doing. That you, you go and look at the old guy in the gym mm-hmm. that's benching 150 kilos. Go and ask him for advice in benching. He might not be qualified, but you can... D- if he's benching safely and strong, yeah, he knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. If it's a wee guy that can barely pick the bar up off the floor, you know what? He might, he might naturally have been weak, but he's just trying to build himself up. He might be technically sound. That's cool. But these people go like that, and they'll, they'll try and give advice to the old boys that have been doing it, or the old women that have been doing it for years, and they yeah. know their stuff inside out, but they just don't have a bit of paper. The majority of folk that I've, I've trained with over the years... The ones that know the most have got the least qualifications. Yeah. Because you get the paper hunters. They wanted this, this collection of certificates. Right. I mean, I had this guy approach me to come and work my gym, and he had a shitload of certificates. I think he, it worked out that in a two-year period, he had done a qualification every second week. <laughs> Jeez, oh. 
but his experience in spin, Metafit, FBX, kettlebells, was just doing those courses. So he'd never actually been doing So he'd them. never actually <laughs> taught them, no, he had no <laughs> life experience of teaching it, and you're like, no, you've just done, you've got, you spent two days doing a certificate, and then, what have you done? What does that tell me? That you've meant to get a bit of, a bit of paper to say that you're qualified in yeah. it, but you've not actually practised it, and I'm like, no. I got my first kettlebell certification back in 2010, I think. Right. And I've travelled to Slovenia, I've travelled to Russia a few times, travelled England, I've travelled to Ireland, I've travelled a lot just yeah. to still learn that one thing, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't think, I think the moment a PT stops learning, yeah. that's when they're in trouble. It's learning the right thing though, Yeah. not and not just chasing qualifications mm-hmm. all the time. It's like, again, relating this to, to my own profession as a, as a musician, there's a lot of people, a lot of drummers out there who who just sit and pass exams and say, I've got my grade eight or whatever else. It's like, good for you. Have you ever actually done a gig? No, no, no. no. I've got a grade eight, so I'm better than you. It's like, you ever actually no. played in front of a crowd? Well, no. There's a lot of like, just players out there who just pass these qualifications yeah. qualifications qualifications and would be useless in a gig because yeah. they've not sat and just went do you know what I'm just going to jam with a band or I'm going to die the death of a thousand shitty pub gigs or whatever else just playing and going out and earning earn your stripes kind of thing Aye. you know um, so I'd imagine it's exactly the same thing it's just mm. about, it's about experience isn't it yeah. it's just experience all experience and knowing how to make those wee tweaks and adjustments and yeah I mean again that's what I'm talking about trust your coach because mm-hmm. <coughs> there's times that one thing you hear me say to focus kill it and what that basic coaching crew, they understand that they might feel that they feel, oh, I can lift this. Aye. But if I'm watching them side on, I'm going, oh, yeah, if, oh no. if I see something wrong, I'll say kill it. So if it's a deadlift, just drop the bar, let go. Yep. Don't continue with that lift. Yep. Or um, change hands. Like guys that compete in kettlebell sport, mm-hmm. if I can see their grip starting to go, change hands now. Yep. Rather than try and think, oh, I can do five more and then dropping it and losing. Yeah. So it's the coach's job is to see what the athlete doesn't see or feel. Yeah. And then give them advice and the correct coaching cues for it, not just to shout, come on, come on, come on, but give them that wee bit, even if it's just somebody, uh, like John this morning I was training in his back squats and he's starting to get tired, the last couple of reps, him chest up just to keep that posture, keep the yep. nice long spine and just drive through the heels and just two quick coaching cues yep. just to make sure his technique stayed safe. That's all it takes, isn't it? Yeah. It's just you watching for those little things mm-hmm. to, to point them out. And a good coach. You see a lot of coaches, a lot of people will just be going, I'm a coach, I can shout encouragement from the sidelines. Yeah. Oh, you can do it! Even if they're about to snap themselves. Aye, and it's just, it's, it's empty noise. See you, Mac. Hi, Mac. And it's just that empty noise that they're spouting out just yeah. to make, they love the sound of their own voice. Aye. Rather than actually providing any real benefit for their athlete or their, their client. Yeah. And it's, that's what, and trust, like you say, trusting your coach, that's built up over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number of people that have said to me, oh, I don't feel ready for this competition, I don't feel ready, and I'll all say, trust me. Yep. Trust me. Trust me. And every time they've went out, it's went to plan, and we've now got, I think it's 11 world champions from this gym. Right. So we must be doing something right. Absolutely. And it's just, we, our job as a good coach, we've got to know the limitations. Yeah. Like we've got to know when that person's got that extra lap in them, that extra round, that extra rep, or... On the flip side, know when to say, no, nah, call it a day today, that's enough. Yep. Um, and that's the hard part. Yep. Because a lot of time coaches don't want to say that, no, that's enough today because they're scared that their client will think they're shit and then not come back and they'll lose their money. Yeah. But again, it's better than breaking their client and yeah. they can't come back. It has to be about the the client all the time and not just your own ego as oh, a coach. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 
you the have to tailor you, things to whoever you're dealing with totally individually the moment all the time. you coach for your ego and for your your benefit if you're coaching somebody so or video something so you can promote it for you for being you yeah well, aye, that's what's the point you're an asshole yeah I mean there was one coach um, you'll probably know who I'm talking about and we had, a, we had an online discussion about it and he was talking about how he was coaching this junior lifter to the point where he was in tears taking temper tantrums and stuff like that and, and, and basically screaming at him swearing, swearing now if that's the kind of the actions of a 14, 15 year old boy if you've taken them to the point where they can no longer self-regulate and they're bursting into tears Aye. that's too much yeah. only and for me that was just for the coach's own ego to advertise himself as look at this I've got this junior lifting this weight now and Aye. I'm he might want to disagree. I'd be happy to talk to him offline about it. Maybe and we talk about this always in context. But he advertised that the kid was in tears. They advertised that the kid was having mental breakdowns and being upset about it and ready to quit. If you're pushing him that much, Aye, it's too no, much, too soon. Absolutely. Just and he admitted himself. He felt. He, he said he felt himself. It was too soon for him. Right. So he accelerated the program, and I'm going. I personally speaking, I just don't agree because it's putting them at risk. I coach my daughter in kettlebell lifting. Uh, and there's certain competitions that she'll, if she wants to do this one or that one, I'll say to her, look, you can go in this way. Can I try that way? Don't think, I think that's too soon. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great for her to go and do it, but there's too much risk. Aye. It's, uh, again, it's, it's finding a balance between pushing people to, to, to challenge them yeah. and pushing them just for the sake of just trying to like, just be a dick. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably a lot of coaches out there or people out there who just want to see it from that kind of military boot camp I'm going to break you down yeah. and I'm going to build you back up kind uh, of thing it's like that only works with certain types of people mm. though do you know what and I mean and there's that kind of old coaching saying it's easy to break someone it's hard to build someone yeah. it's hard to make them better Aye. that's for me that's a sign of a good coach I love watching a coach going right stop what you're doing right now let's strip that right back mm-hmm. to the basics and see where what your top level skill is in terms of a regression, right? You can achieve this, you can do that, right? Brilliant. Now we work on this. What we're gonna aim for next session is this. So they set the goals and targets and to achieve. Yeah. That's a good coach. Yeah. Not just oh, okay, um oh, you're pretty shit at squatting, so we're just gonna squat for the next hour. Aye. And hope we'll just hope you get good at it. Aye, just repetition. Yeah. That's the way to do it, isn't it? There's much easier ways to do it. and the cool thing like tag teach as well, training with acoustical guidance, which again we can talk about another time, Aye. but it's, there's really cool methods for that. Um, I taught my daughter how to deadlift in under I think, six minutes mm-hmm. just by using the tag teach methodology. Drill the setup, the foot position, the bar position. Yep. Now, and set, and go and you learn, the posi- and it teaches them to be kind of feel the positions and yeah. actually be self aware. Well, all those um, the workshops you did a few years back in here, like the, 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 the squat and deadlift, deadlift one, yeah. I, I still use all those cues and stuff mm-hmm. when, I'm, when I'm squatting and deadlifting, particularly the squat, to be honest. Yeah. Um, just in terms of like foot position and just like drilling your feet in and stuff yeah. all that so just little things like that mm-hmm. totally make the difference you know and it's it's giving wee nuggets of information just to go and write oh that works now aye that's taking your level up another notch yeah it's, it's simple little things that you can take away and, abs- and, and apply every day to yeah. every session I say they're just getting bombarded with information for an hour aye. every session you know it's just too much so sometimes when you, when you go into the kind of memory retention for what people can remember mm-hmm. the kind of like the bites and then the chunks of information you find the most is three three bits of information. Yeah. At most. Yep. Sometimes one. If you the moment you start giving four, five, six coaching cues all at once, ah, right, Colin, I want you to put your feet here, knees out there, hips back there, chest up there, shoulders back here, grip the bar there. Aye. By the time you think grip the bar here, you've forgotten the other seven pieces of information before. Where are knees going? Aye. Yeah. Aye. Just break it down. As you're warming up, coach each aspect, right? Yeah. Warm up set, find find the feet position. Second set, right, remember, drive your knees out. Mm-hmm. 
set of three members, next set, warm up, okay, chest up. And by the time you get to your actual proper training set, yeah. you've already, you've drilled all those coaching cues. Aye. And then you can start to, you'll, bit, you'll chunk those three bits and think, right, feet, hip width apart, knees out, chest up. So that become, that those three cues become one chunk. Yep. And then you start to remember that way. And again, as a coach, it's, it's finding ways that you can communicate your message in the most effective way, not for you, but for the participant to understand and apply it. Yeah. Client has to play a role in all that as well in oh, terms yeah. of actually trusting that you know what you're talking about yeah. as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the first to admit I moan like fuck when I'm oh, training sometimes. Yes, you do. <laughs> Especially when there's any form of split squat involved. Or, but, or ab work. <laughs> or ab work. Well, who needs that? I'm married to a kid. Who am I trying to impress by a six-pack? Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I trust that you know what you're talking about and that if you're making me do Bulgarian split squats, they're for a reason, not just to be an asshole. Um, so, that, I mean, the client has to play their part in that and actually oh, yeah. trust that you know what you're talking about and just get on board with it and, yeah. and, and do it. I mean, the client-coach relationships and vital that they have to communicate with each other. Yeah. There's no point in you coming around, what we're we doing today, deadlifts, and, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I slept really funny, uh, or... My car broke down last night and I had to sleep in the car and my back's totally, my back's out of place today, I'm really stiff. Yeah. I think if I do a deadlift with a bar, I'm going to put my back out. Mm-hmm. If you stay quiet... Uh, you, you don't know that? <laughs> I don't know it, therefore I can't, I can't factor that and facilitate the session Aye. based on the information. And it's the most important thing a coach can do really is when their client walks in, A, look at their demeanour and B, ask them, how are you? Yeah. Because that person might come in and go, oh, I feel great today. I've been up stretching, feeling loose, feeling great, uh, ready to go. Uh, feel feel really strong, fired up, and uh, and then you can or they can come in and go. You know what? I've been up with the kid all night. I've been yeah. up. They've got a lot of sickness bug. I've got a sickness bug. Or I'm, and you know, you strip the session right back. Yeah, based on just seeing and talking to all the people that train in this gym, most people aren't short and telling you how they feel on you. No, there, there's <laughs> this couple in particular called Lynn and Nick, and when I ask them how they feel, they certainly do not hold back. <laughs> And I'm getting some funny looks off them because they've just arrived. <laughs> um, aye, so it's, it's definitely a two-way street, isn't it? Absolutely. You You've need got to know communicate. what you're talking about professionally and the client has to just get on board. They've got, they've got to give you the feedback, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. I think that should do us for today. Probably, yeah, because you've got things to do. Yep. I'm going to buy a whole birthday cake and eat it on the bike just because it's my birthday and I can. It's going to sit in a assault bike and gorge myself. Two episodes talking about our birthdays. I know. Happy days. Here we are, still with no presents. I know. No cake. (sighs) Shocking. Sad. Still no packed coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Dear packed, it's our birthday. Send us coffee. Laura, once again. Still no jingle. Still no jingle. So fuck off. Nah, just (laughs) get to. Right. See you all next time time. for episode six. Oh, hey, hi. Where can people find us and stuff and reviews? (laughs) We're on Instagram. Let's be professional for a second. Gains and pains. You can get myself at Scum Golf and Performance Training and Just Train. Yep. I am at Drummer Chimp. Uh, We are on iTunes, Spotify, Spotify and Castbox. Rate and reviews. Five stars, please. Only five stars because, you know, because we're great. And why wouldn't you? Because we've got such great jokes. Don't laugh, Lynn. We are. Chuckling away there. That's Lynn getting her ab work in for the day. (laughs) Yeah, so do all that and we'll love you forever and we'll even maybe buy you a coffee if you come and see us. All right. Bye-bye. See ya.